Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. everyone and welcome to a playoff edition of the talking about podcast i am sean kennedy it's the phantom of the process return and the sixers are back in this series after a 99 79 game three victory over the miami heat joel Embiid cleared concussion protocol he was wearing a mask played through a broken orbital bone in his face and a torn ligament in his thumb uh he was tyrese max he referred to him as a soldier after the game He's certainly proven time after time he's as tough as they come and he can gut out a lot of injuries that guys might not be able to play through. But fun one tonight with me on the line to talk about the win is Dave Early. Dave, is Sixers basketball fun again? This was certainly fun and uh, felt like, you know, every I think the last time we spoke, we were happy that we put away the Raptors and it was like, just like after game three, where you got the bad news that, oh, things are not so funny as the torn thumb. Then we had the day after game six, and we learned that we have a fractal orbital bone here. So I'm not going to celebrate until tomorrow is over. And we know Joel is totally fine. Otherwise, they're going to hit us with another surprise injury. And uh, I'm going to burn some sage to prevent that. Yeah, we should, we should mention Joel did take a pretty rough looking shot to the head late late in the fourth quarter when Bam Adebayo was going for a rebound and he kind of swiped down and uh, it looked like he kind of pulled the mask off a little bit with one arm and then kind of hit him in the face with the other or something. It wasn't quite clear what happened, but yeah, Joel was down on the court and like his hand immediately went to his eye area. So not great. Um, and he, he left the game right after uh, shortly after um, which obviously they were up 20 and doc doc has heard that you should take guys out when you're up 20 or more late in the, late in the game. You uh, learned from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so you are right to uh, exercise some, some caution, I guess. And we should make sure that in the, in the next day or so, Joel remains at least consistent in his healing process and didn't suffer, suffer a setback as a result of that, that play late in the game. But yeah, I'm not going to be superstitious, but I will be a little stitious. On that. <laughs> Michael Scott, Dave yes. Early. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, still, still a really fun victory. Um, well, let's talk about Embiid first. So he finished with 18 points, 11 rebounds. Offensively, you know, he's pretty clear he wasn't the same player. The shot was, was off. Uh, he had hit a lot of front rim on his jumpers. Didn't look like he had the lift or anything that he normally does. And, you could tell there were some times he, he looked pretty exhausted out there. He was basically lying in bed the last week because he 
was dealing with the concussion and that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to basically lay in the dark and avoid so, screen time for yeah. him. That's, that's the worst. No, yeah. no video games with the thumb, no phone, <laughs> no watching, um, European soccer. No, yeah. yeah no, no social media, tough, tough times. Um, maybe yeah. he'd listen on the radio. Yeah. I mean, got one, got one of the best, uh, on, on the call for the Sixers in that department. So, yeah, uh, but so offensively, it was a bit of a struggle. He still had a, a few really nice plays. He had the one stutter rip through for the end one a um, little later in the game. Very early in the game, he had the the Euro in transition that kind of just left Dwayne Dedman frozen where he was standing. And um, Joe mm-hmm. had a vicious dunk on that one. Yeah. Uh, so the thumb looked OK, I guess. He he didn't like wince or anything after after throwing it down with the right uh pretty ferociously. So that was good. Um, but I think, I think defensively is where he really made a difference. He just him being mobile, him being able to, to step up and guard those pick and rolls. And, and we didn't have the, um, Deandre Jordan fall into a trap hole in the circle and just stuck in quicksand. And and that's basically all he's doing. Um, Joel's contesting everything he's getting out and he's able to switch on the guards. He switched on to Jimmy Butler a few times and he, he helped a lot in the rebounding department as well. So that, uh, looking at the stats now, the Sixers won the rebounding battle 44 to 35. So good, good job in there. That, that was definitely a weakness area, a weak area for them in the first two losses. Um, I don't know. What was your overall impression of, of Joel's return on the court and, what was your evaluation of, of how he looked? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think, I mean, just we held him to 79 points. They they would have scored, I'm sure, 125 if he wasn't in the lineup tonight um, because they score like 35 points per possession when DeAndre Jordan is out there. And so jo- Joel's mere presence forces some guys who knife through the lane looking for layups to just say, all right, I'm just going to kick it out. Cause I don't have a shot here at all. Even when he doesn't have to like put his hand up and contest. Uh, I think the Sixers found themselves in the bonus within minutes in that game. And that's something that we would never have seen without Joe. Um, and they were able to get some rebounds. I mean, I don't know what the final tally was, but I know it wasn't as bad as in Miami. Right. Yeah, just uh, as 40, they won 44 to 35. They won the rebounding. Yeah, so that, edge, that was so. very clear. I mean, watching that game, that, that really stood out like, okay, they're taking some tough shots and the Sixers have a chance to get some of these. Obviously, they still got a pile. I mean, there was a agonizing 20 to 6 run. It's one thing like when the, the Warriors make a run and Curry hits three threes in 30 seconds and you're like, what just happened? When the Heat do it, it's like a, a football drive where it's four yards for eight, 80, <laughs> a lot of 80 dust. <laughs> yards, and it takes up nine minutes and you just, you just want to go home and, and cry. Yeah. Um, Th- their not- offensive rebounds is like uh, Peyton Manning converting four consecutive third and fours by throwing a little slant to his running back out of the backfield or something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Pete, Pete Roethlisberger just like converting a fourth and one and then another 20 minutes of drive. That's what it felt like when the heat go on a run. Cause you're getting no points. You can't even get shots up where we had turnovers on every time offensive fouls, turnovers, live ball turnovers. And on the other end, it was one foul on thigh ball or Harden and then a, an offensive rebound. And it was like, man, this is, 
I could see now how we might lose this game. And it's going to remind me of 2018 down 2-0 to the Boston Celtics, the Marco Bellinelli confetti game. And suddenly it's a very winnable game, but you're down 3-0. And I was starting to get worried about that. Um, but then uh, Maxi saved the day, Danny Green. Yeah, let's let's talk about Tyrese. Um, so uh, as you said, the, the Heat tied the game. They never actually went in front, but they did tie it. Um, Tyrese went on a, I think it was a 5-0 run immediately after that uh, tie game and gave a, a little bit of breathing room. You could take a, a sigh of relief. Um, but Max, he looked, he looked lost in the first half. He had zero points at halftime and just wasn't aggressive at all. It was like he had forgotten that he was faster than anyone else on the court. Uh, <laughs> just not, not being aggressive in any way, shape, or form. Then all of a sudden, hits a bucket, and it's like the light flipped on and he suddenly remembered oh yeah i was the guy that scored 34 the other night like i i should be dominating this game and he ended up with 21 points in the second half he shot five for five from three seven of eight from the field um in in the second after halftime just the ridiculous um play he made to get back on defense when yes. Harden had the turnover and they did the throw ahead to try to ignite the fast break. And Tyrese just, it looked like the um, DK Metcalf play from years back <laughs> where he just came out of nowhere to like, how is he suddenly in the play? Like what's going on? And Max, he uh, intercepted the pass. He tracked it down and then saved it. And they ended up scoring on the other end. It was just a huge momentum swing. Um, so he had that play. He had the, the uh, the runner in the lane where he went off the right foot and was like fading away. Oh yeah, absolutely ridiculous shot he made there. And then yeah, just lights out from three, five of five. I I, I feel like we've said it every pod, but the dude's twenty one years old, um, and it, you, you obviously can't expect him to be dominant all the time. So when the the a first half happens like it did tonight and. He looks a little lost. You, you got to kind of chalk that up to like, hey, he's he's still learning. It's he's still kind of figuring out what to do out there in a playoff environment. But then, man, that second half that was that was the peak Tyrese Maxi experience. And I don't know about you, but I was loving every second of it. <laughs> yeah, we we talked a week ago, and I think you 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 mentioned like games four and game five in the first round. There was a time where it felt like you know, Maxi kind of reverted back to just a second-year guy, not a guy you could rely on to play like an all-star. And then um, he returned to form and played like an all-star in the closeout game six. And so you started to think that, like, all right, he didn't have a huge game one. He was 6 of 15 in game one. Obviously, he went nuts in game two, but it was not, not nearly enough. They needed other guys, too. And then the first half, it was like, oh, maybe he's – you know, maybe the Heat are just such a good defense. And then he explodes. And there's really nothing you could do. And it completely flips a game. I could be wrong, but it does feel like the coming out of the half is his time. Like, I don't know what happens. He's more likely to go bonkers in the beginning of the third than he is the beginning of the first quarter. Am I right? Yeah, maybe they just give him like a pep talk at halftime and Coach Harden gets in his head and like gasses him up or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but he, he does. Seem- Harden seems to have these stern conversations with him. Joel got on him for missing a reverse layup in the first half. Maybe it's the orange slicer. 
<laughs> Could be. Yeah. Just a, a little vitamin C jolt yeah. that he needs. Um, yeah. I, I, he does seem to have his bursts more often after intermission than before. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, but yeah, tremendous Tyrese performance tonight. Another guy who, who was lights out from uh, behind the arc as well was Danny green, who seemed determined to revert to the mean all in one game. After, <laughs> yes. After being ice cold the first two games in the series, he finished seven of nine in this one. There was a, a long period we were wondering whether Danny Green was going to be the the high scorer for, for the Sixers in a win, which would be pretty incredible. Um, Maxie ended up tying him for that for that honor. So, but still great, great Danny game. Like his his baseline cuts, the classic Danny cut was, was there. He had a couple shots off those. And then you could just tell he was feeling it. Cause then he started hitting like catch and shoot contested shots as well. And and when those are, they're falling for Danny, it's, you know, you know, it's going to be a good night. So, you know, when, when he <laughs> lets the guy close out on him and pump fakes and then shoots it anyway, that he's feeling it. Yeah. Without, without the relocation dribble to the side. Right. When he, when he just stays in the same spot. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is what you get with Danny green. You get, he's called icy hot for a reason. There's, there's going to be stretches where he's just not hitting anything and you, he, it doesn't look like he belongs on an NBA court. And then there are times where he just is hitting every shot he puts up. And, he looked that way in Miami. Let's be honest. He was like three of 14, one of 12 from three. And he looked like, Oh man, maybe he's hit the end here. Yeah. I, uh, but glad, glad he was able to turn things around quickly. The, the team definitely needed him in a big way tonight because it was, it was an offensive slog for, for a long stretch of this game. Um, particularly in the first half before Maxi caught fire, the, the Sixers were tr- tr- having trouble finding ways to score. So green hitting three triples in the first half was a big boost for them. Um, yeah. Just, this is this is what you hope for for Danny Green. You don't, I mean, you don't hope for seven threes, but you hope, you know, just stretch the floor, play good defense, and uh, he did he did all that tonight. That was exactly what you needed from him. Yeah, I forget if it was. Um, I think we talked about it at one point when Daryl Morey did his like post Harden media tour. He, I think, he mentioned that Green was maybe the biggest beneficiary of the Harden trade. Yeah, um, we weren't sure how we felt about that statement. I think you and I evaluated it at one point. And, um, well, it worked out tonight because he does seem to get more playing time. And some of that obviously corresponds to Matisse ineligible to play for Toronto and his, whatever you want to call that, a demotion, a lack of rhythm now. Green's been the biggest beneficiary now, and he's getting a lot of corner threes per game now. Um, so when he knocks them down, clearly it, you can uh, go have a 31 to 14 quarter like the Sixers close this game on. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Harden's always looking for those guys in the corner when he drives. Uh, so yeah, green is obviously a, a huge beneficiary of, of those driving kicks that he initiates. And then Embiid being back also certainly helps Danny. Um, Embiid only had one assist tonight, but I, I feel like there were plenty of times Embiid kicked it out to somebody and then there was a hockey assist to, to a, another teammate. And, and Danny, I think was, scored off one or one or two of those types of plays. So yeah, swing, swing type of yeah, stuff. Yep. So 
good night for Danny. Hopefully we have more of those and less of what we saw in game one and two going forward. Um, we're going to take a quick break right now and hear from our sponsor. And then we're going to talk about uh, some of the other less positive performances from the team, kind of mixed mixed bag performances. And then we'll, we'll talk about what to expect going forward in this series now that it's 2-1. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and we're back. Um, James Harden, I wanted to, to touch on next. Uh, good, good scoring first half tonight he had 15 to lead all scorers in the first first half uh only finished with 17 though in a bit of foul trouble throughout the night uh kind of limited his minutes at times he uh he finished with four fouls but uh also the seven turnovers were, were not great there are one or two that were the hey he tried to make a really high degree of difficulty pass and it didn't quite work out but also, I, I felt like the, the Tucker defense really bothered him a lot. And one of the big reasons it was so important that Maxi stepped up in that second half was because they kind of just deferred to Maxi bringing it up rather than Harden so that Harden didn't have to deal with the, the full court pressure from Tucker. And then Harden could kind of be the screen setter and uh, free up, free up Maxi in that way. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like there was, there was somewhere he just like kind of dribbled it off his knee and he just, he, he wasn't able to get by Tucker or Bam Adebayo. And when Bam was switching onto Harden, like he was stonewalling him, just anyone aside from like hero on a, on a, a switch when they did the guard discard switch and he got hero a couple times, Harden was cool with those, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of the heat defenders, he just seemed to struggle with. I don't, I don't know what it, what were your thoughts on, on James's performance? Yeah, you know, I, I wrestle with this because I continue to grade him on a curve based on the player he was before he was a sixer. So uh, in one regard, 17 points, six assists, a game high, plus 27, eight of eight from the line, continuing to put them in the bonus. He had a good game by some measures. You know, if he wasn't James Tarden, and this was just a line we were looking at. We might have liked it, aside from the and, one, seven from three. Yeah, and the eight boards, which sometimes people are just like, oh, rebounds, like whatever, like the ball just falls to you. But I, I thought Harden really played an important role in like boxing out and getting some some of those contested rebounds around around the basket on the defensive end. I don't. I I, I thought that some of those were really like man's rebounds, like really getting down there and, and getting in the scrum and, and coming down with them. And he had the, the one, uh, he missed, he missed his shot, but he, he followed it and had the really nice hustle playing and, and then kind of saved it to Tobias who also hustled well to get it out to Maxi for a three in the second half there. Um, so yeah, he did some good things. Like I'm not, I'm not saying it was a, an atrocious Harden game, but, uh, yeah, sorry, go, go on with your spot. No, no, um, by all means, jump in. I, I feel like, you know, I, I want to find the good because we, we do criticize James quite a bit um, because he, for many reasons he's not met our expectations um, since the trade. But I think if you look at it from the lens of the Heat clearly sold out to make other people not James Harden beat them, right? Like they, 
they sent two guys at him knowing he was the playmaker. He was the point guard and he's the one who's going to set the tone for Philly and help them get good shots, whether that's beginning with the pick and roll with Joel or creating and generating those open corner threes for green, maybe an open dunk for Harris or Matisse when he could. Uh, And so they made it really, really hard on him. I thought his handle looked shaky and I do believe that's related to the hamstring. You know, like these are the cracks that he's scooting through in the past. And now they're closing a little faster and a dude who's typically got the ball on a string is coughing it up on like crossing someone over, which you don't, you're not used to seeing with James Harden. Uh, I didn't even see a lot of that in Brooklyn. I don't believe so it's possible that the toll of, you know, maybe some of this is the hamstring and the other component is the, the mental, the residual mental hurdle of battling a hamstring for the better part of 12, 13 months now at the end of your second season with this stuff. Um, Maybe there's some fatigue setting in, Uh, you know, if you were his agent, I don't think he actually has one, but if you were his agent, you'd certainly point to these things when you're angling to get him a max contract. Um, no, he, he, he forgot to sign his extension prior to the trade. Just didn't get the paperwork. <laughs> in time. Just fa- famous, famously uh, does not have an agent <laughs> because an agent, I don't think would have let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ramona, Ramona Shelburne was joking. Like, I think it was her, right? She was like, he, he shops through these, like a homeowner would just like, I'm a max guy. I don't really need an agent. So I'm going to keep all the, that two or 3% in the family. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, I don't, I don't blame him. <laughs> don't blame him. For it's that the right, all. it's the right business move. <laughs> but yeah. The, but the flip side is, you know, we've now seen him for, you know, 13 playoff games. And if you were really hoping he's saving a gear, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it this season. Um, so he's still good. The pick and roll between him and Joel is still lethal. Um, but it's tough, man. It's tough. This version of him and indeed picking up all these bumps and bruises and you need them to lead you to another, how many more wins do we need? 11, uh, 12 to, to win the title. That's going to yeah. be a challenge. Yeah. 11 more after tonight's win. Um, yeah. yeah that, you know, that's a fair point that they're, they're throwing a lot of doubles at him pretty much anytime he tries to drive. So maybe that doesn't happen as often if Danny green is hitting more shots than he was in the first two games. Like maybe going into game four, they'll be a little more wary of leaving Danny wide open and that could open things up for James a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if you're right. So hopefully that, you know, that's the case and James can capitalize on it. But um, yeah, just it's kind of the player he is. He's not going to, he's not going to score 30. You just got to hope that maybe he does a little better job taking care of the basketball and a few of those turnovers turned into assists and, yeah, you're you're basically fine with him getting 18 and eight or whatever on a given night. Like that's that that'll be enough as long as Joel's 80 percent of what Joel can be, and guys like Maxi and Tobias step up, and the spot shooters like Green and Yang at least hit a couple. Like that that'll be enough. Like you don't you don't need Harden to be a superstar. You just need him to be a a lead distributor and and do do what he's been doing on his you know on his good nights in this postseason. Um, yeah. Uh, the rest of the roster, Tobias, you know, the shooting regressed. He wasn't going to be a top five jump shooter for, in the postseason. Like that, it was unlikely that would continue, but only had nine points. But he did have eight assists. So good playmaking from him. I thought he was competing hard on both ends. He did end up fouling out. 
um, but had 10 boards just, you know, it, he, he, he was due to cool off shooting, but I, I still thought it was a, a, a fine effort from him. Um, Matisse actually had a couple good minutes there where he, he had the dunk uh, where he, he cut along, cut down into the dunker spot, got a dunk. He had a, a steal and a, a block of hero on like a two minute sequence. And I, I messaged in the Slack that that was the best two minutes we've seen from Matisse all postseason. But yeah, still not a great night um, overall. Uh, yeah, I, no one else. I don't. I don't think really factored too much into the outcome. Um, any anything else you want to mention from? from Sixers perspective tonight? Yeah. Uh, Tobias, he flirted with a triple double. Um, he was two assists and one point short. And we didn't see that the shooting that we got used to from him, he did hit one three, but he missed, uh, he missed four others, but he had eight assists. And so he was finding his teammates to a degree that um, we're not used to seeing so much from Toby. Uh, there was a couple plays where he just got it in transition and, and scored. So I didn't think he was terrible. I mean, obviously you were hoping that what the defense that he brought from Siakam could carry over to this series. And to a degree, I thought it did in Miami, certainly not tonight. Jimmy Butler was just went nuts against the Sixers in this one. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy was, uh, he was on his game tonight. Um, yeah. Finished with game high 33. Uh, just, getting getting to his spots with those drives and using his body and you know those little bank shots on 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 the move that he makes a lot uh he had the the jumper working and got to the line he finished eight to ten at the line um yeah really good jimmy night so hopefully he didn't catch a ton of booze either i thought pj tucker got more booze (laughs) yeah maybe maybe kind of was his boo shield a little bit tucker (laughs) that is um yeah, I, yeah I mean, you want to talk about the incident? <laughs> uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, like that's what that's what Tucker's gonna do. He's gonna instigate. So he he kind of caught Matisse with an elbow. Matisse kind of flailed back at him. It wasn't too severe. There was a bit of a scrum. George Niang, who's always yapping at everybody, came over to to get in the middle of things and kind of break it up. And yeah, the refs the refs did the the classic. We don't want to make a decision on this. So it was call a double tactical and move on um so that nobody can be too mad uh i don't know did you did you have anything any any, anything you wanted to say about it yes i would like to complain about it i uh (laughs) i thought the matisse fouled tucker and they missed the foul and that's fine but tucker then got angry about it i mean he had taken one on the nose from harden and then matisse got him so clearly he was frustrated um but it, it would be fair to punish the guy who's taking out his frustration by doing a non-basketball play to elbow Matisse. So two missed calls is part of the game, but a frustration foul with an elbow should be flagged as something separate. So I didn't think it should be double tech. So I don't understand why Matisse got a tech at all for being surprised or, you know, miffed that PJ got in his face after taking a, a shot at him especially with one player who's maybe the MVP of the entire league playing with a broken face. Ca- I would ca- like, yeah. Caused by catching an elbow. I'd like them to be a little more harsh on non-basketball elbows, you know, in light of Dylan Brooks, in light of Siakam's uh, 
non-intentional play on Embiid. Just if someone's doing an intentional elbow, make that the tech and then say sorry to the fouls that you missed. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, it's, a, it's a fair point. Um, I, I think it the the Tucker getting the reins of booze and everything, uh, it, re- it reminded me of 2019 when Jared Dudley uh, became, thought he was like yes. the, the, the Simmons stopper or whatever. And then he became the number one villain in that series, which like PJ Tucker is a much more useful NBA player than Jared Dudley was at that point of his career. Dudley was kind of like Tucker's legit good. Yeah. So like Tucker's a, a, a helpful piece for a contender. Jared yeah. Dudley was kind of like a guy playing out his last year or two of his career. And it was just like a funny side note, like footnote <laughs> in his career that he had this weird two game sequence in the, in that series. I think um, you just gave a tremendous compliment to Jared Dudley. <laughs> um, but I, I, it was, a, it was a parallel though in my mind, like yeah, there's yeah. this, this kind of like more beefier forward that the Sixers fans suddenly like a role player that suddenly becomes <laughs> yep. the number one villain in a playoff series. Very, uh, very much reminded me of that. But um, so what uh, Sixers now up two one going forward. Do you, I mean, obviously if they had been lost tonight and they were down 3-0, no one's ever come back from a 3-0 deficit, not even the Toronto Raptors against Doc Rivers. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you thought the series would have been over. Now it's very much not over. Um, does this completely flip things for you in your mind? Do you feel like the Sixers are, are very much in this right now? Or where, where's your mind at now as far as the series goes? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, in terms of this series, I think it's, it's very much a series right now. I think, uh, you know, once the casinos see that Joel is back and they, they pencil him in, knock wood, burn sage, they pencil him in for game four, the Sixers are going to be, you know, favored. I, I think they were underdogs tonight, right? Or maybe they were like one-point favorites. Trying yeah, to they're, they're, it, it wavered based on Joel's status updates or whatever. So I think they started at one point favorites. It went all the way to Miami being three point favorites and then back to the Sixers being one point favorites again. And I think uh, they were baking in the fact that he might actually not play and he might play and suck. He might just be, you know, he can't finish the game. Or yeah, like he can only play 20 minutes because he was lying down the last week in the dark with a concussion. Yeah. Right. So if he makes it through and you pencil him in for another what did he log tonight? 36 minutes. If he can give you 36 minutes in game four, I think this series will be tied. And then I think uh, game five is going to be, uh, you know, like huge. Maybe, maybe the series. Yeah. Um, game four, obviously, will be hugely important just to keep winning at home. They, they say a series doesn't start until someone wins a road game. So, you know, go back to Miami 2-2 and you know, it's very much anyone's series. Um, for reasons I'm optimistic, Joel, even though he's rusty offensively, just completely changed things defensively for, for the Sixers. Miami didn't look like they had a lot of options. Like, if unless Tyler Hero is just hitting every jump shot, like, yeah, Butler got his, but no one else could really do anything. Bam was only two of nine from the field. Um so I think I think Joel's defensive presence just changes things so much on that end of the court. And then Kyle Lowry returned tonight, but he didn't look like himself. He 
He was 0 for 4 from the field, had four fouls, didn't look like he had a lot of great lateral movement, um, wasn't looking to drive at all, really. I, I, I just don't think he was really 100%. So if Was this Lowry? Yeah, Lowry. Yeah. So if, if this is the version of Lowry they have for the rest of the series, like that's a huge, you know, positive note as far as the Sixers chances of taking this. Um, so that, that, that could be beneficial. We'll, we'll see how he looks in game four, a couple more days to rest the hamstring. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I, I feel like the Sixers are the better team as long as Joel's out there. It's just, it, it's very hard to win four of five against a good team and Miami is a good team obviously so to win four or five is tough so well what did Nick Nurse say when he was like well no one's ever come back from down 3-0 but if we win game four it'll be 3-1 and people have come back from that <laughs> so what, if we don't need to come back and win four out of five we just need to win game four yep and to your point like Bam Adebayo plays Joel really well and Joel even if he were 100% healthy wouldn't post like, you know, numbers he would have posted against the Chicago Bulls against this Heat team. But Bam was 24 points in game one, 23 points in game two. He had nine points on two of nine in this one. Joel mentioned after the game, I think via our Paul Hudrick, like I was embarrassed watching him do that and I couldn't be out there to stop it because, you know, that's like four put back offensive rebound dunks that Bam was getting in Miami and, and that just wasn't there tonight. And I think that speaks to Joel's mere presence. Even if Joel himself wasn't grabbing those boards, that's a huge swing on a ball game. For sure. Yeah. He, I mean, the, the Joel impact is, is obviously enormous um, and not, not to, to drag him tonight, but Joel being out there just meant Deandre Jordan wasn't out there, which is a huge win. <laughs> so um, yeah, a lot of swings. Yeah. Like uh, I jokingly, tweeted out like it takes a, a top 15 all-time coach like doc rivers to in game three bring out this this guy who hadn't played in joel Embiid and benches starter deandre jordan like what a what a mastermind what a, what a great strategic move um yeah nobody was a minus 22 in 17 minutes tonight that's a huge win for the sixers yeah yeah who could have guessed that going from deandre jordan to joel Embiid would make a difference um but yeah, great, great to see Joel out there. I mean, we can't say enough how gutty this was and tonight for him to play uh, through very, very severe and scary injury when you have a, a broken orbital bone and still playing through the, the torn thumb, thumb ligament. So, yeah, he's he's a, he's a really tough guy, and you know he gets it. He had the the Stringer Bell tweet after the game, like uh, let everybody else know that we're back up, like just continuing to win on social media. Just, Is that what he said? He, he just posted the picture of the, the screenshot of Stringer Bell from that when he says that line. He didn't tw- have the line or anything. Oh, so, I love so the just, wire. Yeah. yeah, just just perfect, Joel, to um, yeah, sub, the perfect amount of subtext and everything. Let everyone like, know we're back up. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's a master at social media. Um, Let's change the name. So <laughs> I, got one, I got one from Draymond Green here, too. The power of Joel. He didn't play incredible. But because of his presence, everyone else did. Yeah, uh, he definitely, yeah, it wasn't like a great Joel game by Joel game standards, but him being out there allows everybody to kind of fit into their roles better. And he just defensively, he just helps out so much. Like everybody can, it's not on everybody else's shoulders as much because Joel will just soak up so much of the, uh, 
the attention as like a, a rim clock or a, a paint clogger and just being able to swallow up those pick and rolls. If anybody else gets a step on a perimeter guy and, and kind of block those out. Uh, yeah. He just does so much to help everybody else out there on the court, but yeah, great to see him out there. Great to see the Sixers uh, get a win and a, a convincing 20 point win after a very scary third quarter where Miami had tied the game. Um, that was a scary run. Yeah. yeah very scary. 13, no run. And I think you said 20 to six overall to tie it. Um, yeah. Tough, tough few minutes there of, uh, heart palpitations and everything else, but good to see the Sixers back on top tonight. They're up two one in this series. They have another uh, game at home to try to tie this up and, you know, Joel Embiid should be back out there. Uh, we, we're, we're not saying he definitely is because we, ruined that after game six in toronto (laughs) and game three in toronto oh yeah exactly yeah so we we expect that so um dave thank you for joining me to to discuss the game three win it was it was a really fun game tonight to watch um tyrese maxi is lovable and as joy filled as always and joel just one of those memorable games yet again that we'll look back on um in, in his Philadelphia career and just say, like, I, I was proud to, to watch him in a, in a Sixers uniform do just, you know, tough it out and, and be out there. Just the epitome of a, what, what we want in a Philadelphia athlete for sure. Just so. a monster. And, and you mentioned that play where Maxi had like the Metcalf tracking down Buda Baker and he went flying out of bounds and saved it over his head. And the crowd just went nuts even before they scored. Yeah. Just, just more, more hustle. yeah high energy guy just always always gives 100 percent and always has a smile on his face just absolutely love watching Tyrese Maxey play I'm, I'm so happy he's still a sixer uh, I'll say that every every podcast until until he retires <laughs> especially seeing Lowry struggle yeah yeah for sure like this this was another concern when you think about trade for Lowry, like, Hey, here's a guy in his, in his thirties, like how long until things like a hamstring catch up to him like that. Those are, yeah. Yeah. Danny green would have been in that trade too. Yeah. So good job. Daryl Morey to not pull the trigger on that one. Um, that seems to have worked out well. Uh, so, and, uh, we'll, we'll see what the Sixers can do in game four and based on their performance tonight, we can remain optimistic, but never know. Miami's a, a good team. Eric Spolster is an excellent head coach, one of the best in the league, if not the best. So I'm sure they'll have adjustments. And it, I, I doubt the Sixers will, will win by 20. And I think the Heat will have a little bit more uh, more wrinkles in their offensive design. I don't think that we're going to hold them to 79 next time. But yeah, we, we have a series again. So that's that's all we could really hope for right now. Gabe Vincent's going to hit five threes next time. So just get ready for that. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. So uh, we've seen it before, but, but Dave, this, this was fun, uh, fun game tonight. Fun talking to you and breaking this down. Thank you for joining me. Where can everybody find your work online? Uh, at David early on Twitter. And I write for Liberty ballers. All my work would be there and uh, hopefully I'm more positive. You. All right, man. Well, Dave, thank, thanks again. Everyone else there. Thank you for listening. I am Sean Kennedy at Philly Fastbreak on Twitter and LibertyBallers.com. And tune in next week. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where we are in this series, but I'm optimistic. So good win tonight for the Sixers in Game 3, and we'll talk to you soon.